Get ready. You're tuned in to Tea Time Unfiltered with your girl, Lovely Tea, bringing you the hottest trending topics on social media. Stay connected. Instagram.com slash Lovely Tea 2002. Hey, you guys. Welcome to another episode of Tea Time Unfiltered with your girl, Lovely Tea. Hey, Tea Sippers. Welcome to another show. And I have my boy Ronan with me. Hey, what's going on? So it is almost the end of 2020. Like we literally have less than 48 hours left of 2020. I, along with everyone, am so ready for it to be over. I really am. How about you? Who you telling? Uh, yeah, this, this, this was a very uh, raggedy ass year, I'll say. Yeah, I mean, so much went on this year from, of course, you know, the virus hitting and I, you know, did the videos when it first was in Wuhan. But never did I think that when the virus hit China and was expected to come here, that it would just cause a huge domino effect of what went on this year. This year was unprecedented. I could have never thought about the year, you know, happening in the manner that it did when I was a child. Yeah, Uh we, I mean, we were had these visions of what 2020 would look like, and it's nothing like we expected. I mean, we had to deal with this uh, virus. We had to deal with a whole lot of losses, um, some that hit home. I mean, just just about everything we thought could go wrong, damn near did. Yeah, I'm just ready for a new year. Yeah, everything from the virus to when everything shut down, I think that was just crazy. You know, it's one thing for us to be wary of this virus. But when, you know, Wall Street shut down and the stock market and, you know, corporations and then regular people's jobs and then mom and pop shops, it was insane. And then to see when everything was going on in New York and it was death after death and, you know, vans to come and collect the dead bodies. It was crazy how much death went on this year. Yeah. Um, and plus, you know, just people trying to adjust to uh, things that they thought were certain. Uh, now people are like, I mean, it's, it's good to see that, you know, you have things as far as like learning uh, courses online, which are a lot cheaper than going to certain schools. But just the fact that some people weren't ready for certain changes, they were, you know, and we're, we're, pre- we're creatures of habit. So as much as we want to see, you know, people do a lot better, it's like we have to be really prepared uh for these wild changes out because I don't think we're finished. No. And that's the one thing I keep trying to reiterate to everybody. Everybody's like, oh my God, I'm so ready for 2021 to be here. New year, new me. And it's like, no, what's going (laughs) to happen in 2021 is that they're going to use everything from 2020. I feel like 2020 was like one huge experiment. And they're going to use all of that to basically enforce and bring in all types of new rules, regulations, and they're going to make things so uncomfortable that eventually you're going to run to go take that vaccine. That is their plan. I agree with that. It just seems like it's a whole uh, death by a thousand cuts toward like, look, you know, just to get this off me, like, all right, fine. But why would you uh, submit yourself to something that hasn't really been properly tested Um We've heard quite a few things about it, not good. And, you know, just waiting to just literally threaten your life in your way of life in order to be a guinea pig, more or less. Yeah, but the unfortunate thing, it's not necessarily people are, you know, 
trying to volunteer for this. I mean, you have a lot of people in the medical establishment and in the military who are forced to take this vaccine. I mean, it's starting with them first before the general public, you know, and that's the part that's scary is never in the history of viruses has there ever been a forced vaccination. Now, granted, when kids start school, yes, you have to get the, you know, the MMR shots, you know, Mm. um, tuberculosis, things like that. But (laughs) the point is a lot of that stuff has been tested for the past 60 years. So for the most yeah. part, they're safe. This is something new and it's unprecedented. And the fact that they're forcing people to take this and the part that's even more unnerving is the fact that now it's come out that there's a, a mutated virus. There's a mutated version of the um, COVID-19. And so this mutated version is even stronger. It's even more, you know, you can cross transmit it even easier. And now they found the strain yesterday in Colorado. So the first American case has been found in a man in Colorado. Patient zero. Yeah. That's what comes to mind. And yeah. what makes me scared is, okay, well, then what is the point of the vaccine? If there's now a mutated case, is that vaccine going to be able to protect that? They claim there's a 50, 50 percent chance to me, that sounds like a bunch of horse shit. It does. Uh, and plus, you can't uh, sue for any uh, damages or deaths from it. So that is not, not only not only reassuring, but it lets you know, like something. Ulterior, I mean, there's a to- ulterior motive that's at stake here. And it's like far darker than we think. Yeah, I just feel like like I said earlier, 2020 has just been one huge experiment Everything from the virus coming in. So that's one thing we're dealing with the pandemic. Like every movie that we've ever seen, right, growing up, you know, end of the world, those were always one of the five things. Like the world may end by, you know, a huge earthquake and fire. Um, The world may end by, you know, a a cold freeze where the whole world just turns cold like the day after tomorrow. Um, Then pandemics. How many movies have we had about pandemics and viruses? It's like everything that Hollywood has has yeah. thrown at us since we were children literally came to pass in 2020. Uh, as crazy it is, it makes me want to look at The Simpsons again because they've been making some wild predictions and I haven't watched them in years but like, I'm kind of s- nervous in doing it because <laughs> of what I might see. Yeah, so. their predictive programming has definitely been on point. And I think the sad part with all of this as well is the uptick in violence that we're seeing. And the uptick in violence is going on in every major city. Um, The other day I had interviewed a woman on my podcast, BL, and she was talking about, you know, the violence in Philly. Because I had been hearing a lot of stuff from people who subscribed to me from Philadelphia. And I didn't know I had that many Philadelphia tea sippers. But I was always hearing stuff from them, like on the Discord or just, you know, comment sections. And then to find out that they're number two in the nation in homicides and, you know, and it was even more people in the comment section of that podcast saying that not only Philly, you know, in Miami, in Charleston, South Carolina, in Virginia. I mean, this is a a national issue where homicides and senselessness have gone up all around the country. There's a really hot case that's going on right now in Atlanta and J.D. is very upset about the census killing There was a seven-year-old girl who was shot recently, and um, J.D. is basically calling for, um, you know, he's he's doing a call to action, and some people are kind of upset with him. So for y'all who don't know, a seven-year-old girl, she was in the car with her aunt, and they were driving past Phipps Plaza, and a shootout ensued, and she was shot and killed. So I'm going to go ahead and play the news clip really quick so everybody can hear it. 
and then we'll come back and finish talking about it. We have a tragic update after a seven year old girl was shot while riding in the car with her family near Flips Plaza. Kennedy Maxey died yesterday, and that's according to the Fulton County Medical Examiner. Since the shooting on Monday, the community has just rallied around Maxey and her family. A GoFundMe page raised nearly $47,000. Today, hundreds of people shared their condolences on social media, many calling her death a senseless tragedy. Police say they do not believe the car Maxie was riding in was the intended shooting target. Maxie's death is part of an uptick of violence across Atlanta this year. Just this weekend, Atlanta police responded to three homicides. Mara Siriani has an update. Metro police have worked 155 homicides so far this year. The latest victim is an innocent child. After spending five days in the hospital fighting for her life, police say seven-year-old Kennedy Maxie died the day after Christmas, the victim of senseless gun violence. Police say Kennedy was riding in the car with her mother and aunt last Monday near Phipps Plaza when she was shot in the back of the head. Investigators believe Kennedy was hit with a stray bullet, possibly fired during an argument between a group of men in the nearby Saks parking lot. Atlanta police are still working to track down the shooter. And on Christmas morning, more violence. Around 5 a.m., officers responded to a park in Atlanta's Summerhill neighborhood where they found a man who had been stabbed to death. No word on a potential suspect. Around six and a half hours later, officers were called to southwest Atlanta where a man had been shot at a home along Byrear Terrace. He later died at the scene. And just after midnight on Saturday, 16-year-old Glesia Williams was found in the lobby of the Hyatt Regency on Peachtree Street, suffering a gunshot wound to the groin. Investigators say Williams and a 16-year-old boy had been fighting in one of the rooms, prompting the gunfire. The boy was taken into custody and charged with felony murder. And with just a few days left in 2020, the city has already seen 56 more murders than at the end of 2019. All right. So that was very, very disturbing. Um, the seven-year-old's name is Kennedy Maxie. And like they were saying, this is the deadliest year. Um, since the 90s, same here in the Twin Cities. I mean, even childhood friends of mine, some of their kids have been shot and killed up here in the yeah. Twin Cities. You know, and it's it's heartbreaking because it's just yeah. like the violence just makes no sense whatsoever. You know, it's random, just people shooting, people frustrated. So Jermaine Dupree, um, he took to social media and he went off. He was really, really pissed off about the situation. And this mm -hmm. is what he had to say. He said, if you really from the A, it's time for us to come together and stop all this shooting shit at Lennox and at Phipps. The police need to get together. The profiling needs to go to code red. I don't give a fuck about y'all getting mad about me saying this. Little kids is getting little kids getting shot is whack. So that is what he said. And a lot of people were kind of upset, like, OK, why would you say that the police need to profile people? Because obviously when they profile people nine times out of ten, it's going to be black people, you know, that they're yes. profiling. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree because uh, I was a victim of that mm -hmm. and just got pulled over from going from Chicago to Fort Wayne and uh, right outside of Warsaw and four cop cars came by, pulled me over just random. And I'm just wearing my work coveralls and I was standing you know, right in front of the cop car, and, and I seen him searching my truck because I told I just wanted to hurry up and get out of there. And I seen him pull something out of his, you know, front pocket, and he was looking to plan it. But he saw me looking at him, and he put it right back up. Now he could have done anything he wanted, but for someone to go cold red just because of one thing, we're getting profiled enough as is. 
multiply that by 10. Because now you're just promoting a green light on basically us in a way. And I get where he's coming from. I mean, this stuff has to stop. But again, you got to really take some time to really think about what you're tweeting out there. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Because that personally, I was irresponsible for him to say that. Because now it's just like when you get momentum to go like that, they're going to go harder. More than what they've been doing. And that's the problem. That's where a lot of it, you know, that that's that double edged sword. Yes, we want more protection. Yes, we want the police to do more. Um, But to say to ramp up racial profiling, that's also going to include innocent people, you know, and, and what we don't need is any more violence between the police and regular people who have nothing to do with the crime. You know, but I understand the frustration because, again, you know, Phipps Plaza, Lenox Mall, these are like, this is Buckhead. These are high-end areas. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my yeah. youngest son, when we were in Atlanta in 2019 for Luda Day, that's where we stayed. You know, we stayed right across the street from Lenox Mall, had a nice little Airbnb condo. You know, that is a very nice area. And at this point, the shootings, the robbings, the carjackings that are going on around Lenox is just ridiculous. That's stuff that, you know, that most people are comfortable with it being at the swap meet, you know, or being somewhere in like Decatur, you know, not in Buckhead, you know. And that's why I say the, the violence is just out of control and it, it's such a double edged sword because. Why you have a segment of the population, yes, they want the police to do more. You still have another segment that's like, no, we just want to do community policing. You know, so it's like we can't have our cake and eat it, too. There has to be some type of solution, and hopefully something will come of this. Because that's a shame that a child cannot ride in the backseat of a car with their mother and their aunt without a, a shootout ensuing and her getting shot in the head. She did nothing wrong, you know, and, and it's stories like that everywhere. Everywhere. Well, what I wanted to add is like we sh- policing, while it does have its place, um, we need to get back to repairing our communities because mm. like you've seen uh, fragmented families, fragmented homes, fragmented individuals. Like again, that's where you start building wealth when you actually take care of a home, and then you have a community where you guys can protect each other and police your own areas because you got people from different areas coming into your neighborhood and the tensions run high, their first thing is fight or flight. And most of those times we've seen those results that, you know, were fatal to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then we have standards and codes of conduct to where we go back to that time where, you know, the children, you know, weren't harmed or in, out of harm's way. And we yeah, take care of business right now. Yeah, they were codes yeah. to the streets. And yeah. at this point, there's no code, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think what you yeah. made is a good point that, it's so easy for us to depend and say, hey, the police need to do more. Hey, the lawmakers need to do more. But, hey, it starts with the family. The family is the first teacher of the child. And some well, of these kids, you know what I'm saying, they're coming from broken homes. They're coming from parents who are so busy trying to be, you know, their friend. And they're not really parenting or they just don't care. Or, you know, maybe it's not even that deep. Maybe it's apparent that just they have to work. They don't have any extra help. They don't have any extra money. So there's only so much I can do to control my 15, 16 year old child. But that's why it starts from the time that they're young. Yeah. And you need to put some of the onus on artists like Jermaine Dupri because music is still influential. So instead of defunding the police, as some would say, won't you disfund the dysfunction that many mm. profit off of? 
let's talk about it. Not saying that he's promoted any violence per se. I don't think he made any violent music. He's made more fun, sexual, you know, club music, stuff like that. But there are certainly rappers who that is what they push out there. That is what they talk about. Matter of fact, Little Dirk is catching a bunch of backlash recently because he just dropped his latest album. And in that album, now mind you, Little Dirk um, was really close friends with King Von. They were like mm-hmm. brothers. King Von was killed in Atlanta, right? That huge yeah. situation that went down. And in Dirk's new album, he's dissing FBG Duck. Yeah. Why? And, you know, FB's mom is upset and, you know, a lot of fans are calling Dirk out. It's like y'all continue to perpetuate the nonsense. I just seen it on live. I guess Dirk finally went live and came up out of his, um, his shell, his cocoon. And And you come out and dissing Duck. Folk. You got some other niggas that just smoked your homie. And you want to diss Duck? <laughs> duck ain't really dead no more. Duck ain't even really your op no more, bro, at this point. He want to get high as fuck. He about to get high like Duck. Who? Dirk! Duck hurt because V-Roy gone. He hurt. He hurt V-Roy. Well, you better take that shit who made the... Uh, uh, V-Roy gone, not my motherfucking son, cause he ain't doing. Remember they had a song together. Remember they had state differences. Motherfucker, study one for the industry. This is proof. Y'all really showing. Y'all, y'all rich out mixing in my motherfucking son. Y'all rich out mixing in Tuka. Show your crap. Do something else besides this and music. Show motherfuckers that you really, cause go pop. Like my son was trying to do, he was trying to cross over. And we know nine times out of ten, Lil Durk is a superstar now, so he's not going to be on O-Block, you know, uh, shooting back and forth and, and, you know, trying to get revenge for King Von. But the power's in the music. It's going to be those little young boys in Chicago who are listening to that who are now going to go down to 63rd on some revenge shit for Durk. You know, and it's it's like we, we had to take responsibility. And I, I've never agreed with people sending children off like children are the youth and you should want the best for children. I don't care if it's my child, your child or the next person's child. Mm-hmm. You should want yeah. the best for them. And I'm not saying that we have to act like the world is, you know, peaches and cream and nothing bad ever happens. But I also feel like, you know, why are we so quick to perpetuate the evil? The negativity, the low vibrational stuff. And it's not just these artists. Like I've always said, I don't just blame the artists because I understand they're trying to make it. They're trying to eat. It also goes up the chain to the record companies and the record labels and how they're they're now going to the streets to sign real gangsters as opposed to people, you know, who are rapping about positive stuff. So until we are ready for a change, it's not going to happen. You know, and and this is, like I always say, like, you know, we all live in, like, one big circle of life, and we all have to be willing to put in that change. It can't just be, we're going to put everything on the police, or we're going to put everything on the mayor, we're going to put everything on the governor. It also starts in the home. It also starts with the entertainers. It also starts with social media. Like, everybody plays a part in all of this mess that we see manifesting. So please check out this quick message from my sponsor, HelloFresh, and we'll be back with the rest of the podcast. Hit refresh with HelloFresh in 2021. Rather you are looking to eat better, 
cook more, or simply save money, HelloFresh is your one-box solution to all your New Year's resolutions, honey. So if you guys do not know, HelloFresh partnered with Tea Time Unfiltered, and they sent us a box of items. And when I tell you everything came through, it was fresh, it was cold, it was insulated, but most importantly, the food was delicious. My 15-year-old son cooked it, and it took him less than 30 minutes to cook the meal. HelloFresh offers 23-plus recipes each week, Featuring a wide range of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients, so that way you will never get bored, honey. Make sure you use the code SIPSLOW10, so that way you can get 10 free meals, including free shipping, honey. I'm hooking you up, so make sure you guys go on to HelloFresh.com, because after all, it's America's number one meal kit, so make sure you guys check them out. Yeah, just as as content creators, like we're accountable for what we say, what we put out here. Those individuals like that have gifts as far as music, production, you know, every, everything that, you know, influences a lot of what we do. As a collective, we can sit there and move things back to a better place. Take it out the hands of people who benefit from the dysfunction. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, you know. Um, so let's go ahead and segue to the next topic. I know another thing that was like super big this year. Yeah. Were all the PPP and unemployment scams? <laughs> uh, oh boy! <laughs> I, I definitely feel a way about that. And like I said before, this is not to judge anybody because I understand a lot of people were in dire situations. People's yeah. jobs were shut down. They didn't know where they could get money from. And then somebody hits you up on Facebook and they're like, oh, let me fill out this application for you. You'll get $10,000. That might have been uh-huh. more money than some people have seen in months, right? Yeah. So I definitely get the temptation, you guys. I get it. But for me, being the type of person I am, I had to warn my subscribers. Like, if you if you fuck with me, if you listen to me, if you are a subscriber, please do not get caught up in this. It's The, the ends does not justify the means. Yeah. And so what has had me really troubled is the more that I've researched um, a lot of this and the more people I've talked to and people that I, I know have been, you know, you know, who got involved or, you know, thought about it. We're having one of my friends was talking about a conversation they had with a college student. And they were saying that at this college, so many kids were applying for like unemployment, PPP. Now, some Mm -hmm. people got denied for PPP, but nine times out of 10, the unemployment would go through. Now, we're talking about college students who most likely they're not even working. Right. And Mm -hmm. if you're a college student, you're... You're usually under the age of, what, 24, right? So we're talking about 18, 19, 20-year-olds. You haven't had that much work history for you to even need unemployment because you were just in high school. So, I mean, unless you had, like, a full-time job, most high school kids might have a part-time job or no job at all because they play sports. But Mm. these kids were applying at these schools for unemployment. They were getting it. And with unemployment, um, they would give you a $10,000 lump sum and then two grand a month on top of that. So you had these kids balling out of control, buying guns, buying drugs, you know, doing all types of stuff with this money. But what Mm. what what I noticed is the people who are getting approved, it just didn't make any sense. People with no work history, people using their kids as social, people using dead people's social. Even there was a story that came out in Cali that Scott Peterson and like a bunch of his inmate friends on death row, they applied for Mm. PPP and unemployment and they got it. They got the it. Fuck? They had people on the outside apply for them and they were approved. So 
this is where my tin hat starts tingling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When so many people are applying for things that you can easily, if you're really doing your job, that you can mm. easily discredit and throw in the trash bin. Like, dude, you're in prison. You're not eligible for unemployment. Get the fuck out of here. The fact right. that they were approved, all these college students who were high school students, not even a year or two ago, who don't have real work history were approved. People on the street. Just so many people were just instantly approved for this. I have a feeling that in 2021, they're going to come looking for all of these people and you yeah. guys will be feeding the prison industrial complex. Yeah. They are trying to get I, rid I, of people by the criminal system, COVID, yeah. and, and by financially bankrupting people. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. That's why um, you look at the 40 laws power, talking about like a despise the free lunch. Like you have to really have some foresight into why they're offering this. I'm not working or I'm not doing this thing. And there's too many people who take that, you know, opportunity, you know, to go out there, do what they want to do. But there's always a tax or something on the back end waiting on you. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like you said, like there's certain people who got approved and so certain who won't. Yeah, there is an agenda behind that. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree on that. There are people who I know had legitimate businesses who needed that PPP yeah. money were not approved and they really needed yeah. it. Then you have some Yahoo, like, I'm just, I ain't got no damn business. I just want some free money. Then they get approved. And one thing I also noticed in the hood, when that money started hitting and people were getting jewelry and, you know, renting cars and, you know, everybody's having a good old funky time this summer in the hood and every hood, honey, from Minneapolis to Philly. Okay. That money caused a lot of violence. I don't know if you noticed that where you're at because Uh, you had people, one, flossing the money. Everybody knew who was getting the money. You had people buying items that they would not have been able to afford otherwise. You had people buying, you know, illegal items, you know, to flip Mm -hmm. it. So this also caused an uptick in the violence, I personally believe. Yeah. uh, I mean, you're not the only one that's like down here in Annapolis. I've started seeing people in new vehicles uh, just moving different. And the violence was just really rising to understand. I was like, this is this is different. And it's not too far from me where, you know, these shootings, it was just uh, between kids or a few older people, but it was over some of the most random things. Like, I was just wondering what the hell was going on, but it does make sense now, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, it, that's why I look at when people move a certain way, I step back and assess it and, and I make my adjustments because mm-hmm. like, I cannot run with the crowd like that, especially if someone's like putting money in my hand like that. I always got to question it. Always especially people that haven't had that kind of money or even have no plans or imagine, or can't even imagine the money they got now. Yeah. Those are perfect targets. So yeah, you you are hardly right on that. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot that's gone on this year, but that, you know, once I just started seeing the people who were getting approved and somehow getting all of this money, I'm like, this is a setup. If you don't see the writing on the wall, this is a setup. And it's not just a state crime. This is federal. So when they come, they will come. Okay. And they have a 99, whatever, you know, percent conviction rate. They will convict because they're not going to let that prison industrial complex filter. I mean, falter, because, again, that is slavery in a different form. So yes, we, we need to keep it, you know, viable. We need y'all to keep making the furniture and the clothing because a lot of mm-hmm. things that people don't realize are made in prisons. And they're paying the these people not a dollar an hour, a dollar a day. Yeah. 
30 cents yeah. a day, 10 cents a day, depending on your level and how long you've been there for the whole day. So that is literally like a thousand percent profit. I'm paying you 10 cents a day to make a couch. Yes. And then I'm selling it to Ashley Furniture. Okay. And then they're yeah. turning around and flipping it. That is such a huge profit margin. So I believe that the reason, and this is just me, y'all can say I'm a crazy conspiracy theorist, but I believe because so many people have died allegedly from C-19, right? Mm -hmm. So those people, you know, we can't put them in prison. They're dead. Right. So we need to still be able to create criminals. And how do you create criminals? By creating opportunities for people who are desperate. Most of the people yes. who did that, they really didn't go into it trying to be criminals. They were desperate. Yeah. You know, and maybe with some people, they might get a slap on the wrist, depending. But let's say this is your second felony or you already have a criminal record. You're going to be locked away for a while. And yeah. I believe this was all planned because it just makes no sense to me. The people who are getting approved for this and how they were getting approved. Hey, uh, T, now, don't you remember they were complaining not too long ago about, you know, the prisons not being filled or, you know, just, you know, they had some complaints about that. I remember. Mm -hmm. I know they had you to know, let a lot of prisoners this year, too, yeah. because of, you know, C-19. Yeah. You know, and you already know that once they do decide to refill those prisons back up, they're going to force the inmates um, to get a vaccine. There's not going right to you get a choice. You're going to be vaccinated. Right yeah. The great American sweatshop. Yeah. So it's it's really scary to just think about, you know, and like I said, times are going to get harder. You know, times mm -hmm. are going to get harder. I know a lot of people are waiting for their stimulus check and things like that. Um, you know, you, you just got to do what you have to do. These jobs need to open back up. Like this is what's causing the desperation for a lot of people. You know, especially in California. And what's so crazy is that a lot of that unemployment and PPP money, um, that ended up costing Californians billions of dollars. They are becoming yeah. billions of dollars in debt because of all of the fraudulent claims. So now yeah. what's going on in Cali, um, we can segue, is because of just so much stuff, California is not saying they just put out a new notice yesterday that they're planning on being shut down until about mid-March. And they're even saying that they're going to re-shut down Hollywood again because the virus, um, you know, numbers are going back up. So a lot of people are very upset about this. And right now there is a mass exodus of people in yes. California leaving. They are getting the yeah. hell out of there. Yeah. They, they've been doing that for quite some time, like well over a decade and have both of us haven't lived in California out there. Mm -hmm. The, the, the rent among other things is exceedingly high. I mean, the taxes, um, they, I mean, just everything you do out there is outright expensive. I love it out there. Mm -hmm. But when someone told me, uh, when I, before I moved over there and it's like, man, you know, if you were going to be homeless, California is a great place. And I thought that was a weird thing to run into. But seeing it firsthand, mm -hmm. um, it's a bittersweet situation because we know about Skid Row where the we got or they got the working poor. Some people are doctors or high end, you know, or, or just mid mid uh, mid level or high level working, uh, living in a mobile home or uh, in their cars. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. It's literally ridiculous out there. 
Yeah, the homelessness is very scary out there. Most Californians, yeah. um, and it doesn't matter how much you make an hour, are literally Don't. one or two paychecks away from being homeless. Mm-hmm. Now, when I stayed out there and I was in the Valley, I was probably one of my friend groups, one of the only ones who had a two-bedroom apartment. And I didn't have any mm-hmm. roommates because my other room was for my kids. Everybody yeah. else had multiple roommates. It, it was just like the the... the the way they charged for rent was just ridiculous. I mean, I paid yeah. more for my condo in L.A. than for my house, you know, monthly. Yeah. Now, I remember when I was thinking about moving to Santa Monica so that way I could be closer to the YouTube space. And I remember I went to go yeah. look at some apartments out there. Now, mind you, the beach is out there in Santa Monica, but these apartments are not on the beach. It's not like when I walk out the apartment complex, here goes the sand no. in my toes, right? <laughs> Several blocks away from the beach. You can't even see the beach from these apartments. So I no. go there. They're showing me around. And in L.A., they call everything a condo because I guess it's supposed to make it feel more upscale. Whatever, honey. In the Midwest, we call everything an apartment. <laughs> so he's showing me around. And this is just, I mean, it's a nice apartment. It's a decent size. It's two bedroom, two bath, about maybe 1,000 square feet, 1,500 square feet. It wasn't anything, like, huge. So mm. I'm like, okay, well, this is, you know, pretty nice, nice area. There's a Whole Foods, all that stuff. Okay, well, how much is the rent per month? When I tell you with a straight face, what do you think this man told me? Just take a, a, a small guess. What do you think he said the rent was? Uh, 3050 I wish. With a straight face, this man looked at me and said that the rent is $11,000 a month. You got me fucked up. 11000 <laughs> And I looked at him. I said, do you mean 1100 He said, no, 11000 I said, are you serious right now? Like, you're saying this with a serious face. He said, yeah, that's how much the rent is here. You're in, you're in Santa Monica. I said, okay, sir. Well, you thank, you know, thank you for your time. Thank you for showing me around. But this is a little bit too extravagant for me. I would never put yeah. myself in that type of debt. If I want to pay $11,000 $11, a month for a place to live, yeah. best believe it's going to be a, built, a custom-built house on the beach. So when yeah. I walk out my front door... The ocean is right there and the sand is in my toes. I'm not going to pay you 11 grand a month so you can just pocket it. The rent price in L.A. is ridiculous. And that's just in Southern California. We only want to get on the Bay Area and the Silicon Valley. That is another world. (laughs) Yeah, the, the rent is crazy. You know, and you see some of these homes. I mean, we're looking, you know, just at home prices out there in Cali. The cheapest homes were around 600000 and they were in Compton. Those were yeah. the cheapest homes. So you're dealing with the elements of the streets and the gangs, small houses, some of them, you know, run down, 600000 If you want to live in, like, you know, the nicer area, like in the Valley, those homes are starting at minimum $1.2 million. And these aren't big mansions. These aren't Beverly Hill homes. These are just, you know, regular three-bedroom homes. Yeah. So you get you get way more for your money moving out of Cali. And I don't blame people who are saying, you know what? It was nice while it lasted, but I'm out. And that's why I left a few years ago. It just got to just be too much. I'm like, I'm spending too much. I'm flying back and forth. I'm flying the kids back and forth. Let me just go to back back home to the Midwest and settle down and know that what I pay for with my money is going to be worth yeah. it. Because, you know, what? paying because my apartment was like damn near twenty five hundred dollars a month for a two bedroom. Yeah, I remember we talked about that, and I was like, "That's ridiculous." Mm-hmm. I remember playing, paying for one bedroom. Now I was like, "What, thirteen five? Mm-hmm. Now it's North Hollywood. So, yeah, just 
it, it, I, it makes sense why people move out to Nevada, Arizona, hell, even Texas, because I lived in Texas and Houston, while it's very vast, is, is real nice out there. They can't handle winter, but <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, you know, it, it's real uh, spread out. I mean, you can actually um, get some property for that money that you was paying for. Mm-hmm. Oh, you definitely have, have a real nice place with some acres. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even here in the Midwest. You can get nice places and homes and things like that. And my mortgage is not even $2,500 a month. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, it's crazy how that is, you know, in Cali. And, you know, and they feel like it's justified because they have beaches. And you can go to Big Bear and ski. And this is the, you know, Hollywood, you know, where everybody is somebody. Fuck that shit. The glitz and glamour of Hollywood have just gone down the toilet. Nobody cares about that anymore. Not in this day and age. And especially being being that Hollywood is shut down and people are losing jobs. People don't care. Even the uh, one of my celebrity friends, I was talking to them and they were Mm -hmm. saying that, you know, even for them to rent Airbnbs out there, the prices have tripled. Whereas like a year ago, if you got an Airbnb, let's say you want to rent like a three bedroom home out there, they might have paid like maybe eight grand a month in the hills. Now, those same homes are going for 30 grand a month. I'll tell you, I'll pitch a tent. Hmm. (laughs) Won't say none of it. (laughs) But you remember what you said with uh, Hollywood shutting down. Now they're trying to move Hollywood onto YouTube or other digital surfaces. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, but that's they, a whole nother, that's yeah. a whole other conversation. Whole another conversation. <laughs> now they're trying to compete with the little people. But what they're calling this though um, is the Great Exodus. Um, a few yeah. people brought it up to me in the live stream, so I said I want to do more research on the celebrities who were leaving Cali. You know, and quite a few. Everybody from Joe Rogan to Elon Musk. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I believe Heidi Klum got the hell up out of there. A lot of people are bouncing out of California um, because they're just tired. Um, Zach Ephraim, Kate Walsh, yeah. um, who else here? James and Kimberly Vanderbeek. Okay. Yeah. Um, Keith Urban, Nicole Kidman, Gigi Hadid. Mm-hmm. And these are people who have money, you know? Yeah. And they're leaving. They're like, now people are having to think twice about, you know, how they spend their money. And a lot of these celebrities, they're being more smart. That's why I said I'd like to watch the moves that a lot of people on top are making because it kind of gives me an idea of what's to come. When I see Oprah selling off her shares, when I see Jay-Z mm-hmm. selling t- trying to sell title and Beyonce's removing her songs off a of title, something's mm-hmm. not right there. When I see yeah. Adidas, who bought Reeboks several years ago, now they're trying to sell Reebok for $2.4 billion, mm-hmm. something's not right there. Okay. Yeah. Something is about to happen with the economy, you know, that the rest of us regular people are not privy to. So you have to pay attention to that. So I want to go ahead and just play some video of um, the great exodus. Um, Joe Rogan speaks about it. Um, A lot of other companies, um, excuse me, a lot of other news outlets are also speaking about it. A lot of tech companies are also leaving California. So this is going to be big because when these tech companies leave, those are jobs leaving. That regular people, you know, could work at. So it's really scary what's going on in California. And at this point, everybody knows that Cali's bankrupt. The only thing that was holding that state afloat, and I've said this years ago, the only thing that was holding California afloat is Hollywood, is the entertainment industry. And now that that's being shut down every other damn month, it's going to be very hard for them to stay afloat. Yeah. 
So let me go ahead and play what Joe Rogan had to say really quick about the mass exodus. This was from about a month ago. This place is going to sink. Watch. As soon as I leave. Boom. I just thought it's it's fucking this place is crazy. They, 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 the lockdown still exists, right? There's the homelessness is completely out of control. Um, there's the overpopulation is out of control. The way they're handling this is so bad. I'm, I'm just upset with the federal government's handling of this. Everybody's hand. There's so many people that are just financially. They're so fucked right now. And I think people should be. Uh, uh, I don't. I mean, I don't want to say people should be held accountable for it, but I think people should make decisions based on the way the place that they live is handling this really difficult problem. And the way the solution they've come up with in California is to jack up taxes. So the most recent solution was to jack up taxes to fifty four percent. I'm like, you guys are out of your fucking mind. Retroactively, back to January. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was a proposal. It's crazy. It's not going to fix it. They're bankrupt. This state is bankrupt because they're incompetent. They're not going to become competent if you give them more money. You know, it's just they've they've managed the money that they got very poorly. They already have high taxes. There's a 13.5% state income tax here in California. And the, the place is still fucked up. It's like... So let me go ahead and play this next clip here. This is about the <laughs> yeah. tech. Yeah, he's definitely in his feelings. You know, again, yeah. that's why I don't take a lot of celebrities seriously because they're the same ones who are like, oh, you know, taxes help the poor and everybody needs to pay their fair share, which I agree. But then as soon as they're right. too high, they're out. So <laughs> which right. one is it? We help on the poor. <laughs> We're not helping the poor. But, you know, let me just sit back and sip my damn tea because right. I feel like they talk out the side of their neck, but it's all good. I ain't going to judge them. Okay. We know. <laughs> <laughs> education system, sandy beaches, beautiful people, and global food scene have cemented its status as a proven mecca for big money and talent. But all that seems to be changing. An exodus of tech firms has recently decided to up sticks from the Golden State and make their homes in a very different corner of the United States. So today we're looking into the burning question, why are companies moving from California to Texas? Last year, according to data from the U.S. Census Bureau, 653,000 people decided they'd had enough of California's glossy charms and opted to set up home elsewhere. The most popular destination for these relocators? Texas. Internal migration trends like these are always complicated, but it's worth noting that this Texan exodus has really picked up pace this year, with some very high-profile people and companies making their way out to the Lone Star State. Let's look at a few. In July, Elon Musk announced that the biggest U.S. Tesla car plant to date will be built on the outskirts of Austin, Texas. And that's no small thing, representing a $1.1 billion investment in the region, not to mention the creation of around 5,000 high-skilled jobs. Musk's personal residence is now reportedly also in Texas, as well as a new base for his drilling operation, The Boring Company, just established in Pflugerville. Part of Musk's reason to move there is no doubt so he can be closer to his beloved SpaceX base in Boca Chica, South Texas. That's where Musk's Starship rockets are currently being developed and tweaked, ready for a future mission to Mars. But there's also significant push factors actively driving Musk away from California. Back in May, Musk had a very public bust-up with Californian official Lorena S. Gonzalez after his Fremont, California Tesla factory was forced to close as part of the state's efforts to tackle the spread of coronavirus. Musk was furious at the order to close and issued a tweet saying his company would be filing a lawsuit against Alameda County immediately. The unelected and ignorant interim health officer of Alameda is acting contrary to the governor, the president, our constitutional freedoms and just plain common sense. Frankly, this is the final straw. Tesla will now move its HQ and future programs to Texas, Nevada immediately. 
If we even retain Fremont manufacturing activity at all, it will be dependent on how Tesla is treated in the future. Tesla is the last car maker left in CA. All right. So we just heard that. That's a yeah. lot. He pulled Tesla out of CA, out of California, and he is moving down to Texas. And one thing about Texas, um, it doesn't take long to ban, you know, to buy land and be able to build down there. Um, and that's one of the issues with Cali. There's so much red tape when you want to build, you know, businesses, houses. It's a lot of red tape. Um, the same business may take you 18 months to build from the ground up in Cali, whereas in Texas, you can start building within 30 days once you get your permits. Pretty much. Yeah. It's a lot faster out there in Texas, especially with the growth of the populace now. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a whole different situation. Now, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Tesla does move out of California, how they're going to make their money, especially with everything that's going. Yeah, because think about it. Not How many people can really honestly afford a Tesla right now with the no. economy being you know so bad? And that's the part that was frustrating him is that, okay, you guys are shutting down the plant. You guys are shutting down businesses. You guys are affecting my workers and things like that. And because he's a billionaire, he has the luxury of just upping and leaving and taking his company elsewhere. But what about the mom and pop shops who, you know, use their whole savings to, you know, build their restaurant or to buy a building, to have a restaurant, to have a boutique. And now they can't open up because of C-19. Now they're being shut down. You know, and that's the part that's just very heartbreaking, um, not just in Texas, but, you know, all over people, yeah. you know, for so long, we've been telling folks, you know, we've been hearing this, be a, be an entrepreneur, be a business owner, you know, work for yourself, make your own hours. That's the American dream. And many yeah. people went to go follow that and were successful and they were able to run successful restaurants. And many people like myself and others, we love to support neighborhood restaurants, neighborhood eateries and, you know, clothing stores and things like that. And it just breaks my heart even when I go to like Uptown here in the Twin Cities and so many shops are just they're closed and they're not coming back, you know. No. And that's the part that's just really sad you know, when I think about the impact of C-19 is how many just regular, schmegler, hardworking American people are being shut out of the American dream to no fault of their own. Yeah, I agree with that. And the thing is, like, um, it, it takes us to tap into our creative energies and abilities. And if you got a passion and you can definitely make money off it, this is the time for the hustler, like the entrepreneur, as, as T said. Yeah. You know, it's like, where and it goes back to when you get back to ha- uh, fixing the families and the community and you have people who are working and doing the things they love to do, we can take care of ourselves respectively as a, as a group because other people outside of us don't care about our interests. As you uh-huh. said, you've seen, because I kind of feel sorry for the people in California because I know some people in California and once that Tesla, you know, company leaves, they're out there on their own, literally. Yeah. Yeah, and it's been like that for a lot of companies, a lot of employees. I mean, you've seen employees on, like, CNN News crying because they are the owner of said business, and they've had to lay off their employees, people who depend on them for a check. You know, so it's it's very hurtful. It's very stressful um, for a lot of people. You know, like I've told people, if, if you can, if you're able to, definitely try and move your business online. You know, sell your stuff online. But it's also hard because everybody's coming online. So there's a lot of competition, you know, so you have to try and find a business that kind of separates you from the rest, you know. But um, as far as food, you know, restaurants, you have to think outside the box. It's like 
this, and I hate the word, the new normal. Like that's always bothered my spirit because Same nothing here. about what we're going through as human beings globally, because this is a global issue, it's not just here in America, is normal. Yeah. This is a new abnormal. Yes. It's, it's not normal to be told that in order for me to support my local eatery that I've eaten at, let's say once a week or whatever, um, I have to support them via an app and have the app driver go get right. the food and bring it to my home. It's yeah. like they're they're trying to desocialize us. And that's the part that's very scary to me, because as human yeah. beings, you need that interaction. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when you are a business owner, you gain a rapport with your customers, you know, with the people yeah. that come in. You start to know them on a first name basis. You get to know their kids. That is how a community functions. How can I get to yeah. know you through the DoorDash app? Right. I don't, you know, and that's the part that is just very frustrating, even with these kids, with them not being able to do the things that they're just used to doing, just the basic stuff, going outside, hanging out at the park. Oh, no, you can't do that because it's too dangerous. You know, it, th that's the part that we're going to we're going to see a huge uptick in mental yeah. health issues come 2021, a huge uptick in suicide. Yeah. You know, and that's the scary part because so many people are depressed. They're going through it, um, you know, and they feel like they have nowhere to turn. They don't have the, the luxury of an Elon Musk to. No go off on the woman that the, the, the mayor of that town and, and, and call her out for her bullshit. They don't have that luxury, you right. know? So that's the part where it's just like, you know, all we can do is just pray and, 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 and try our hardest to, to figure things out and, and try to somewhat conform to certain things, you know, like doing the DoorDash thing and having an online menu where your regular customers can come and order and things like that. But yeah, it's very sad when you pump money into a, to a specific building or a restaurant and you can't even really utilize it in the way that it's supposed to be utilized. It's very frustrating when I go to go get food from somewhere and I have to get it from a pickup window and we can't see yeah. and eat. I want to support the smaller black businesses, but most of them are in Minneapolis. So by the time yeah. I get out to Minneapolis and get my food and come back home to eat it, it's cold. It doesn't even taste the same, but there's nowhere yeah. to sit because there's no indoor dining right now. Well, I, I think like, and I, I, I echo your sentiments. I say like given technology and our ingenuity, we will definitely find ways to make things happen. We've done this like for, I don't know, as time infinitum, like, just like you say with the DoorDash and whatnot, you know, there's ways that like we're social creatures. There's a we will find ways to like really tie those things in together because that's what we always done. You know, whenever we've been thrown obstacles, I figure like we have opportunities like, OK, I have this idea. It, it, like we just can't rely on the people who, you know, the Elon Musk or, or anything like that. That's cool. But why can't uh, we have those among us become the next version of that in their own way? Like, this is where our ingenuity and our creativity needs to come in, you know, especially in times like this. Yeah. You know, you, you just can't give in to the despair and like, well, you know, what was me? Everything's given up. I was like, maybe I'm optimistic. No, and I think that's a good way to be. You know, I'm yeah. always going to be look at stuff from a realistic you know, point of view yeah. because yeah. I, I see it. I get the emails. I see the depression. I see, yeah. you know, the things from being pulled 50 million ways from different people, you know, the things that people are going through. And it's like, I'm only one person. 
I'm dealing with my yeah. own, you know, mental health issues and just trying to make it day by day. You know, I, yeah. I only have so much I can give to so many people, right? But, yeah. no, you're right. We we have to look at it optimistic because what is the other option to just roll over and die and say, oh, yeah. my God, things have changed. Let me just, you know, you know, harm myself. No, we never want to get to that point. But I want people to also be realistic and know that if you're feeling that way and you're feeling depressed yeah. and you're feeling in despair, please reach out to somebody for help. Call the 1-800-SUICIDE number, you know, things like that. And just know that you're not alone. You're not the only person going through it. You know, and that's one thing I, I really loved about the Discord is that it's so many like-minded people that were able to just find each other and make a friend and just find things in common and, you know, things like yeah. that. And, and we need that. But unfortunately, we have to find our social interaction a different way because we're not going to get it per se on the street, you know. But True. I just, you know, I, I'm very optimistic. I know there's going to be a lot of things coming down the pipeline in 2021. Yeah. But I know with the bad, there's also yeah. going to be a ray of sunshine. There's also going to be good things. And I definitely look forward to all the good things and all the good blessings that, you know, that are still going to also come down the pipeline as well in 2021. Well, I agree. And this thing is like, um, there's things we can do now. This person, these things I started like about almost a year ago, mm-hmm. like doing wellness checks, mm-hmm. like just calling somebody random, see what's going on. And then like a lot of times that's helped them. Like sometimes they had to get a lot of stuff off their chest. You know, you can't rely on a therapist all the time. Like you got to schedule appointment. You got to wait and all this other time. And so many things can happen in that time. But some people are like really, you know, caught up and where they're at. So like, look, how you doing? What's going on? Tighten your circle as best you can. You know, be a reliable, you know, outlet. Being a, being a selfless giver at times. Mm-hmm. Just make, I mean, well, a sensible giver, sorry. Mm-hmm. It, where it makes sense to where you're helping others and yourself. You know, we, we talk of, I know you stay busy and whatnot, but it's like, I don't, uh, I make time, you know, to see what's going on with you. Right. You got to let people, you got to let people know that there's still people out there who give a damn. Cause like it, once you see that you feel that there's nobody there with you, that, that level of despair is too easy to jump off the edge. Yeah. It's way too easy because personally been there, Yeah. but you know, people like yourself and others that I, I've held close that kept me on point. And that's just a personal admission, you know, so, you know, it's not we're not supposed to outsource that to anybody else. Just that's something we should try for ourselves. See what that person is doing. You know, it can start with a text or you got FaceTime or whatever. Like, look, just, you know, let them know like they can they got other people out there beside themselves. Yeah. Because sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. We have to remember to check on our strong friends. Because so many times yeah. we, we, we assume that, oh, that's a strong black woman or that's a strong yeah. black man and they're dying yeah. on the inside. So we yeah. can't forget to check on our strong friends, our strong family members, you know, just the people who we care about. And when people call you and check on you, then you pay that forward. Go through your yeah. phone and see who you can check on. You know, and it's not necessarily where you even have to call. Just a quick text. Hey, just checking on you, making sure you're okay. Let me know if you need anything or if you need to talk. Like, that just makes people's days, you know, just to know that somebody out there cares about them. And especially when you're in a household where people are like, now it's an unnatural environment. So you have a lot of husbands and wives fighting, boyfriends and girlfriends fighting because everybody's stuck in the house. They're not, you know, some places they're not able to work. So everybody's working from home and the kids are not on the same schedule. schedule, So it's a lot of tension in a lot of households right now. 
So, you know, just to check on each other and make sure, you know, everything's going good. How's the relationship? How are the kids? You know, it, it takes just a few seconds to just show somebody that you care and that you love them. And let's not just wait around the holiday season. Like, oh, it's Christmas. Oh, it's New Year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Text me. <laughs> damn it. Text me in the middle of February before Valentine's Day and see how I'm doing. You know? So yeah. I think that's a good note to leave on. You know, check on your strong mm-hmm. friends. We've been on here for about an hour now. But, um, yeah. yeah, I really appreciate you coming on here and doing this podcast with me, you know. Well, well you know, it's all love. It's just like, a, you know, I'm not phone, I'm just a phone call away. And, um, oh, the one thing is, like, a lot of those times with those arguments, people realize that um, initially they were married to the idea. Then they had the uh, unfortunate uh, reality that they married an individual they weren't prepared for. Mm, yeah. A lot of people are discovering things about <laughs> their significant others <laughs> that they did not know because that person worked nine to five every day, even on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just the spouse. It's the kids as well. Yeah. Because now you start seeing the kids having their own personalities and they start seeing you. Mm-hmm. So that goes into repairing not just yourself, the individual, but your connections to your spouse or significant others and your children. And then when you have that all tight, you can build a whole bunch of things, especially a community again. Amen. That's the truth. Well, on that note, you guys, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Tea Time Unfiltered. And we'll be back again um, with another future episode. So make sure you guys tune in. Any last words, Ronan? Uh, definitely say I'm definitely proud of you and uh, want to let everybody know everything I tell you is uh, you are the statistic that wasn't supposed to happen. But thankfully you did. Amen. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you guys later. You guys have a wonderful day, a happy new year. Stay safe and, we get, and we'll see you guys in 2021. All right, be safe. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure you join us again soon. For all the latest tea, make sure you follow me on my social media pages. Just put in L-O-V-E-L-Y-T-I on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.